If you are being seen by a more, shall we say, traditional provider, when you start getting into your third trimester, you are likely going to start having them mention checking your cervix. And hopefully they'll ask first. I'll tell you a story about that later. But should you consent to having your cervix checked? And if so, when should you consent to that? That's our topic today, so let's get into it. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for his glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. You've heard me ask for it, and I'm going to ask you one more time. Have you left me a five-star written review yet over on Apple Podcasts? If you don't have an iPhone or an iPad, grab your friends, grab your moms, grab your husbands. Somebody has one around you. And go over there and leave me a quick five-star written review. It'll take you like 30 seconds. Hit pause. You won't miss anything. It helps me more than you know. And for some reason, reviews on Apple Podcasts mean more than reviews on other apps. So that's why I keep specifying Apple Podcasts. Today, I want to read you a review by Evie. Sweet Evie left me such a sweet review. She said, this has been really heavy on my heart to do a natural birth. And so I took it to God. And not soon after I found this podcast, thank you, Lori, for putting this information together and easily digestible for women who have no medical background, but a whole lot of faith in God and looking for that something more during pregnancy and birth. Evie, that gives me cold chills just thinking about the fact that you prayed to our father in heaven and he led you to this podcast. I'm so happy that I can help you along this beautiful, sacred journey that you're on. And I hope that today's podcast will be helpful to you as well. And to those of you who are heading over to leave me a review right now on Apple Podcasts, be listening in future episodes because I might just read yours live as well. Did you know that checking a cervix tells you nothing? Like zero. It tells you nothing that you need to know when you're not in labor. Not a thing. So I guess I should have said spoiler alert or something because now you think you probably know everything I'm going to say and you probably are trying to click out of this podcast and move to the next one, but stop. Don't do that. You need to hang in here with me because you need to understand the why behind what I just told you. Yes, I just told you the end of the whole show. <laughs> That's probably bad, right? You're probably not supposed to tell the ending first. But it is so, so important that you learn the why so you can advocate for yourself so that you can support your decision and your provider doesn't look down on you. Unfortunately, we live in a world that that happens a lot. So you need to be able to support your decision and understand your decision because ultimately this is your decision. I mentioned a story earlier. 
And the person it concerns will likely listen to this podcast eventually. So for her privacy, I'm not going to mention her name. And honestly, sadly, her story is really not that unique. It sadly happens to a lot of mamas. So it could be, it could fit any of you really. So this mama is a friend of mine and she was at a prenatal appointment a few weeks back. It was probably around 36 weeks or so because they had her on her back with her legs spread like they like to do to get her group beta strep test done. Now, we will talk about all the testing as we go through time, but suffice it to say that group beta strep or GBS is a bacteria that, that excuse me, that sometimes lives in the vaginal area. It's not bad. It's not an STD. It's not anything bad for us, but it can cause problems for the baby. So it is something that is routinely done in maternity care. You just use a special kind of a Q-tip, do a little swab. No big deal. I'm not a big fan of putting you on your back and doing it that way, but it's not the point of this show. We'll leave that part alone. But it is one of the many things that are done to you because we treat women in America like they're accidents waiting to happen. But I digress. Again, I digress a lot in this show, don't I? It's just frustrating, y'all. I know you know it, but it's very frustrating when you believe what I believe and you know the truth and the whole world is doing it the other way. So I digress a lot. Thank you for loving me anyway. So anyway, they swab her with the Q-tip and then she starts to sit up. They tell her to lay back down. And before she knows it, the doctor has her fingers up inside of her vagina checking her cervix. Now the term cervical check here means that they're checking the opening of the uterus, which is called the cervix. But if you've ever had yours checked before, you'd, you would swear that they're actually trying to check for the cervical spine, which is all the way up in your neck, because it feels like that's how far up they've got their hand in there, right? She did not even tell her she was about to do this. She just did it. Blows my mind. Now, a cervical check is uncomfortable, even when you know it's coming, but they didn't tell her. They didn't ask her permission, nothing. They just dove in and did it. That's infuriating to me, and it's a huge violation. It's just plain wrong. But let's look into it even more about what was wrong here. All right, so first I wanna talk about why do you need a cervical check? Why do, we, why do we check a cervix ever? So there's three main pieces of information we're looking to get when we check a woman's cervix in labor. Now there's other things you can assess as well, but we're talking about as we're coming to the end of a pregnancy, maybe not in labor, maybe prenatally, there are three things main things that a provider is looking for. One is the measurement of how open your cervix is at that moment. Two is how thick the cervix is because it starts out at a certain thickness and over time it thins out to where it's just paper thin. And the third thing is how high the baby is in the pelvis, whether the baby has started to come down or if the baby's still what we call floating way on up there, okay? Now later in labor, when you're more open, you can also assess the baby's position. But in this case, especially in a prenatal visit, you're very rarely gonna be able to assess that because the cervix is just not open enough and usually the baby's not down far enough. Here's the deal. When you're in labor, a cervical check can let you know if you're progressing. It can let you know if the contractions that you're having are causing changes in your cervix. You're considered being in active labor when your contractions are causing change. When your contractions are not causing those changes, you're not either getting more thinned out or more dilated, that's what it's called when that cervix opens, is that's the dilation that you hear people talk about. 
if you're not having that change, then you're not considered being in labor. So the question is, why are we checking it in the office at all? Unless you just came in because you thought you were in labor and that's the whole reason you're there. By the way, side note, if you're in labor, you rarely are going to need somebody to tell you. If you've got the time and the mental energy to wonder if you're in labor, you're probably not. But I digress again. It's not the point. So why is a provider ever checking your cervix in the office? It's because it's routine and they're planning your induction. That's the truth. They're already planning whether or not they think that you're going to go into labor, whether they think it's going to happen soon. They're trying to plan their lives, basically. It's not about you. That's the bottom line. So you've probably figured out whether I think that you should get your cervix checked in an office. The answer is no. There is never a time because all it does is tell you what's happening right that minute. You could be not dilated at all right that minute and have your baby two hours later. Or you could be six centimeters dilated right that minute and not have your baby for two weeks. It means absolutely nothing. Hey friend, do you wish there was a way to have a safe birth without worrying about being forced into treatments you don't want? Are you scared of having a C-section that isn't truly needed? Do you find yourself Googling things like, what will Pitocin do to my body? Girl, I know what it feels like to doubt the system and yearn for a better way. I was in your shoes, wanting a beautiful, God-filled birth, but worried about being sucked into things I knew I didn't want and I probably didn't need. Imagine if you could have a midwife on your side, coaching you on how to have your pregnancy and birth on your terms. Well, guess what? Now you can. That's why I created the Midwife and Me Power Hour just for you where I'm going to help you identify and reach your pregnancy and postpartum goals and have the birth you're dreaming of. You'll be able to understand what you want and why you want it so you can clearly communicate those wants and wishes with your provider. You'll walk away with the knowledge and confidence you need to put together a plan for your birth and communicate your desires clearly with your provider. So if you're ready to take back control with God at the center through a customized plan based on your wishes, Go grab one of five Midwife and Me Power Hours that I have available this month. I'll sit down with you one-on-one so we can map out your plan based on what you want, what's in your heart, and what God has in store for you. Go right now to bit.ly slash midwife power hour. Again, that's bit.ly slash midwife power hour and take the first step to reclaiming the peace and joy God intended for you to have in this beautiful time of life. I can't wait to help you. Now that we've looked at, again, given the ending away, but that's just talking about in the office, let's look at cervical checks overall. Let's look at the risks and the benefits because what I want you to have in your back pocket is the knowledge to be able to make an informed decision for what you want in your care. So let's start with the risks of having your cervix checked. The first risk and really probably the biggest risk is that you introduce bacteria into a place that it doesn't need to be. The fluid around your baby and in that area is sterile. There's no bad bacteria in there. I say it's sterile. It's not technically sterile, but it's clean. The bacteria that are there are supposed to be there. The bacteria that are in your vagina, if there's any kind of bacteria there that isn't supposed to be there, if there's anything on the 
provider's hands on their gloves, if they drag through your labia on the way through, and maybe there was some kind of bacteria there, any of those things, they then push them up through the vaginal canal closer and closer to the baby, which obviously increases the risk for infection around the baby. We don't want that. So that's the main big one. And once your water is broken, and we'll talk about this a little bit in a minute as well, it's an even bigger risk. Second thing that's a risk is there is anxiety introduced based on these results, anxiety and fear, because you start to think, well, I'm not dilated. Something's wrong with me. Uh, Nothing has happened. I'm having all these contractions and nothing's happening. And so you start to get anxious that something's wrong with you. That is not good. We've talked about last week, we talked about how stress alone can keep you from going into labor. We don't want the stress. So that's a real big risk too. Another one is getting your cervix checked, especially in labor, sets you up for all kinds of unnecessary intervention based on those results. Things like, you've probably heard the term failure to progress. That basically says that you're not dilating as fast as they want you to. You're not, your cervix isn't changing fast enough for what they have decided you need to change. It sets you up for medications to try to make you dilate faster. It sets you up for the C-section when they decide that they don't want to wait anymore. There's something wrong with you and your baby's not coming this way, even though that's not necessarily what it means. So when you get that cervical check every however often that they decide to do when you're in labor, usually every two hours, and nothing's changing, you're in trouble because they don't have the time to have you just sitting there taking up their beds. Something's coming that you didn't want. Another reason that it's a a risk to do it is because, as I said before, it means nothing. Quick progress can happen out of nowhere. Example, I was three or four centimeters dilated when I got to the birth center with Ruby, my second baby. And I had her two hours later. With AJ, I was three centimeters at midnight and I had him at 2.18 a.m., so two hours later. And a similar situation with Abby, I think I was around three or four when they got to my house, and she was born a couple, maybe two or three hours later. I got a little ahead of myself. Let me go back and explain dilation. When you are not in labor yet, and your cervix has not begun to change yet, you are considered closed. Your cervix is completely together. Think of it like a let me think, like a bun in your hair. Like, you know, when you twist your hair up and that middle of it is completely closed, it's kind of like a little dimple. That's what your cervix is like before it started to dilate. It goes from that all the way to 10 centimeters open or thereabouts. And it goes from being about an inch thick to completely paper thin. So when we are checking you and we're saying three centimeters, four centimeters, that's our estimation of how open your cervix is based on our fingers, the size of our fingers and how far apart we can get our fingers when we check you. So that's what that all means. That's what we're looking for. So again, I went from three centimeters, which you can imagine is just, that's barely like two fingers mashed together that can barely fit in the cervical opening to complete and baby out in two hours. If you get checked in an office and you're just three centimeters, they'll be like, oh, you're just three centimeters. Like that's no big deal. But for me, two hours later, I had a baby three, three different times. It means nothing. Your dilation means nothing. It just tells you what you are in that moment. But I had been three to four centimeters with all three of them forever. 
Like it had been weeks that I had been that dilated, maybe not with AJ since he was the first, but with Ruby and Abby, I had been dilated for a while. Now, again, I've told you before, it's one of those do as I say, not as I do, because I'm not the compliant one. I knew what I was feeling for and I was checking myself all the time. Every time I took a shower, I would scrub my fingers and I would check myself. I knew what my dilation was and I knew I had been that for a while. So that tells you that maybe if I was going to a pro- traditional provider three weeks earlier, I might've still been three centimeters and they would have thought something was wrong with me that I wasn't changing, but really I just wasn't in labor yet. That's really it. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. So another risk of it and a downside of it is it's, it's uncomfortable because fingers are only as long as fingers are. And if the cervix is high or what's called posterior, meaning it's pointing at your back, it's very, very hard to check. So keep that in mind. It is an uncomfortable procedure unless you are about ready to give birth, in which case you also don't need a cervical check because the baby's coming. Now, another big reason that there is a risk is if your membranes have ruptured or in layman's terms, if your water has broken. Back to the first point. Every time you check, you're potentially tracking bacteria up into the uterus, into the fluid, into the things around the baby. Every time you check, that increases your risk of an infection. Well, that, that membrane around the baby, the membranes around the baby that held the water in, that was a natural protection around the baby, and that's open now. That's gone if your water has broken. So you can see now it's a direct path to where the baby's hanging out. We don't want an infection in there. The infection that you get in there is called chorioamnionitis. It's a big old word. You might hear people call it choreo for short. And what that does is it sets you up for antibiotics, it sets the baby up for antibiotics after it's born, sets you up for a C-section, it sets you up for maybe having the baby in the NICU. There's so many things that you are set up for if you end up with choreo. So you wanna do all you can to avoid that. And the biggest thing that you can do to avoid that is to have no checks after your water is broken, preferably not before either, but you're gonna have a hard time getting around that in most hospitals. But once that water's broken, they need to keep their hands out of there. Unless you're concerned with something emergent, like maybe something called a cord prolapse, which is where the cord has come down ahead of the baby's head and it's getting squeezed off, you would wanna check then because you need to know if that cord's there. But otherwise, hands need to be out of there. Now, one more risk before we move on to the benefits is when you check a cervix, you always run the risk that you are going to rupture the membranes before you're ready, an accidental accidental rupture of membranes. So especially if the nurse or the doctor, whoever has fingernails are a little bit longer, if you rupture your membranes and you're not in labor, you're now on the clock, even though you're not in labor. You don't want your water to break that early. So keep your hands out of there. Well, not keep your hands, keep their hands out of there to prevent that as well. So those are your risks. Now, benefits. The benefits are you do get some information. You know those three things. You know how much you're dilated, how thin your cervix is, and where the baby is. And if you're further along to where you're dilated a little bit more, you can tell the position of the baby. It can help to know these things if you have to travel some distance for your birth. It can help to know if you have other contingencies going on, things you need to plan for. As I mentioned before, I checked myself a lot because I was just a bad patient. There was really no need to. And more than anything, I think I was just fascinated with the fact that I could check my own cervix. And so I just did. It wasn't hard for me, but for some people it's hard. It just depends on your anatomy. And I did it in the shower always after scrubbing my hands is what it is. 
do as I say, not as I do, or do as I say and, or do as I do and don't tell me about it. (laughs) I don't know. It's just curiosity on my part. I was always just amazed by it, but that's not a good reason to check your cervix. Basically, you get information, and that's about the only benefit I can think of. You just know stuff, and knowing stuff is good, but if you know stuff and you're not going to do anything different by what you know, then why does it matter if you know stuff? And we'll talk about that again in future episodes because anytime you're going to do a test, you need to think, what am I going to do with this information? So when you're checking your cervix, you need to know, why am I doing this? What am I going to do with this information? And for me, with all but the last one, it really impacted me because I knew I was going to have somewhere to go for the birth center birth. I knew I was thinking about going to St. Louis with AJ. So I needed to know if things were happening or not. But really, I knew they weren't happening because I wasn't in labor yet, like I told you before. All right, so how do you decide? How do you decide what to do? Like, like I just mentioned, is it going to change anything? If you're three centimeters or four centimeters or five centimeters, what difference does it make? There are some providers that will check you, and if you're seven centimeters, they'll send you on over to the hospital and say, let's get this baby out. No big deal. He's coming, right? But what if you're not in labor? You're still going to have the problem of waiting for labor and getting medications to try to induce you and all the things that you're trying to avoid. It doesn't matter if you're not in labor. It does not matter what you are dilated because you're not in labor. The other question to ask yourself is, is this piece of information needed right now? Again, what difference is it going to make? Do we need to know this right now? Do the benefits of knowing this information outweigh that list of risk I gave you? So what you're going to need to do if you didn't, go back, maybe write down those risks so you can actually look at them and see them because sometimes seeing them in front of your face will remind you that you really need to think hard before you consent to a procedure. Here's a newsflash that apparently a lot of doctors just don't know. They go to all this med school and they're super smart and they tell us they know all the things, but something that they apparently can't figure out is that a baby can actually be born with no cervical checks at all, ever. And guess what? A good provider will be very hands-off and will not check you routinely. A good provider knows how to watch you and the signs from you and know whether you're in labor or not based on you. They don't have to put their fingers in there and do subject you to any of those risks. They won't do it routinely. Now, that being said, most providers will check you frequently and routinely. In a hospital, you're probably gonna be checked at least once every two hours if you're considered being in active labor. Every two hours. So if you have a normal first birth that lasts, you know, maybe 12 to 24 hours, that's six to 12 checks. That's a lot of risks that you're introducing for what? Does it matter? All they're trying to do is to make sure you're on the, what they, they'll call it the curve, to make sure you're changing fast enough. Because if you dare to fall off of this imaginary curve, which has been proven to be inaccurate many times over, then you are set up for all the interventions and eventually the C-section, most likely before dinner time because the doctor doesn't want to come in in the middle of the night. That's real life. So this is all the more reason to look at all of your options long before this point so that you don't face all of these things just because somebody decided that you needed to be checked. This follows on after last week's episode talking about babies being post-dates and all that comes with that. 
So a lot of times you'll be in this position trying to make a baby come that you can't make come because the baby dared to stay inside of you past an imaginary date on a calendar. And you're sitting there one, trying to somehow mentally make your surf exchange when you have no power to do such things. And then when it doesn't change fast enough, you end up in the OR. Let's avoid that mama. Let's take extra time on the front end of pregnancy to make really good choices on who our provider's gonna be. Let's have the conversations about whether they're gonna check you and how often they're gonna check you and under what circumstances and all that long before we get to the end. But if you are now in the seat of having to have it done, you at least have the information to make a good decision for yourself. Remember this, if you don't remember anything else in this whole episode, remember this, you have the right to decline anything that you don't want. It is your call. God made your uterus to hold your baby in it until it is ready. Your uterus is ready, your body is ready, and your baby is ready to come out. Your uterus might be the type that dilates super fast. Your uterus might be the type that dilates super slow. There's nothing you can do about it either way. Trust God and know that when it is time for your uterus to be open to let your baby out that it will be and you do not have to allow anyone to put their hands in your vagina to feel your cervix at any point unless you want to unless you decide that you want that information it is your call every day all day long 100 percent. so remember that don't let anybody make you do things that you do not want to do. Do not consent to a procedure that you are not okay with. That is it. Now, it is your decision. I'm not telling you to get checked. I'm not telling you not to get checked. I'm telling you, take this information and remember it. Maybe listen to this more than once so you'll have it in your head and you'll know it well. And then just be prepared and know what you want and what you don't want. And communicate that clearly to your provider. If you're in a prenatal appointment and they want to check you, Say, no, thank you. If they want to argue with you, you've got all the reasons now that you don't want it. And they have no leg to stand on to argue back with you because they know good and well that the risks that I've told you here are real. And they should have told you about them themselves. But if they didn't, that's okay. You've got the information now anyway. All right. I want to know, did you get checked when you were in labor? How many times did you get checked? What did it tell you? Do you wish you hadn't? Do you, did you not get checked and you wish you had? Tell me all about it. Let's hop over in that Facebook group if you haven't already. Go over to facebook.com slash groups slash your birth God's way. Come join us. We're looking forward to you joining us if you haven't already. It's a great group and we love to help encourage each other. We are all on the same path together and I want to know what path you took I want to know what decisions you made. And if you haven't had your baby yet, what's your plan? What are you wanting to do? What do you not want to do? Tell us all about it. We love to talk and we want to help each other out along this road so that we can all have our births the way that God designed them to be and the way that we want them to be, which is his way. I can't wait to talk to you again right back here next week. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.